The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is the future of cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in the automotive industry and its supporting ecosystem and help them move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you are absolutely positively in the right place. Let's see. We're still dedicating this episode to our series sponsor, a man who left us way too soon a couple of months ago, Larry Stoley, the car guy at SAP. So, Larry, we're thinking of you. Let's see what the buzz on the street is. Well, I have a Twitter handle here from somebody named Oliver Cameron. You may know him as, I believe he was the founder, is the founder of Udacity, U-D-A-C-I-T-Y. And here's his tweet. This is on our topic. He says, personal news. I'm starting a new thing with great friends called Voyage. We're deploying autonomous taxis to real users very, very soon. How exciting. He posted that on April 5th, 2017. So let's do a little retrofitting, a little retrospective here. Do you remember when you were a kid and you might have had those remote control cars? They were kind of primitive, but they were so much fun. Well, brace yourself. We could say, put your seatbelt on. Real, real life remote control, autonomous cars, trucks, and taxis. That's our topic today. Using something called tele operations could be a grown-up reality soon. What is the future of the ride-hailing industry? We already know it's been heavily upended by newcomers like Uber, Lyft. Oh my goodness, all over the world, the, the world of taxis has changed. But how will remote control taxis coexist on our roads, our highways and byways with human-operated cars? Who are the better drivers? We might even want to ask that one. And will government take a back seat? Sorry for all of the, yes, all of the similes and metaphors. It's a lot to consider. Well, who else to invite to talk about this but three of our favorite people in the car automotive world. In a moment, we will be speaking with Heather Ashton, Research Manager at IDC Manufacturing Insights. She's joined on the panel by Bill Powell, Director of Enterprise Architecture for Automotive Resources International. That's abbreviated to ARI, the largest privately held fleet management company in the world. And our third panelist is Bill Newman. Some of you know him as William. I'm allowed to call him Bill, North America's Strategic Industry Advisor at SAP and also somewhat of a car guy, I understand. So, well, let's welcome Heather Ashton. And Heather has sent me a quote from Mark Andreessen. Let me read the quote. Andreessen, by the way, American entrepreneur, investor, software engineer. He's the co-author of Mosaic, the first widely used web browser, and the co-founder of Netscape. I'll stop there. And here is the quote. Oh, my. People are so bad at driving cars that computers don't have to be that good to be much better. Heather, Heather Ashton, welcome back. How have you been, Heather? Pretty well, Bonnie. And yourself? 
I'm fine, thank you. I love the quote, and uh, I alluded to this in my opening, Heather, that uh, who's going to be the better driver? Is it going to be the autonomous vehicle? Is it going to be the robot? We'll, we'll be talking to, when Bill Newman gives us his his quote from the movie Total Recall, we're going to be talking about robotic drivers of taxis from from 1990 movie. Uh, but Heather, do you agree with Mark Andreessen's statement? And tell us, how does this have to do with taxis? Sure. Um, I think the hardest thing and what differentiates us as humans, of course, is the fact that we have ego. Um, And I think that may be uh, one of the greatest Achilles heels that our culture or our civilization has, because I do believe um, we have a hard time acknowledging the fact that computers, you know, may be better, um, automatically better, even if they are somewhat flawed than humans. And we've all had experiences I think, behind the wheel or in a car, um, you know, very close calls or or other types of um, situations maybe that are worse, uh, where the human was, you know, at error. It was a human fault. So um, so I do agree with the quote in theory. Um, I would say that today's computers aren't quite there yet to be able to fully replace, but as Andreessen really talks about, um, they don't have to be perfect and they'll still be a heck of a lot better than humans. (laughs) So, so how does that translate to taxis and to, you know, teleoperations of that? I think that any, um, any way in which we can further optimize or improve the traffic conditions and the driving operating conditions um, within a city, um, the better, right? Because that is definitely a source of a lot of um, not only congestion, but also accidents and, and you know, the cost of lives, et cetera, et cetera. So, so I, I, I'm on the side of the computer here. <laughs> Oh, my. Well, I think we're going to take a vote on this one, Heather, and see what everybody thinks. Um, Yes, thank you very much, Heather. Great quote. And now I'm pleased to welcome Bill Powell, Bill from ARI. And Bill has also selected a quote from Mark Andrees, and we could say it's Mark Andrees and Day on the Future of Cars with Game Changers. Mark, I hope you're listening. And here is the quote Bill has selected from Mr. Andreessen. Right now, the phone is an accessory to the car. But soon the car is going to be an accessory to the phone. I'm scratching my red hair right now trying to figure this one out. Bill Powell, how have you been? Hey, great, Bonnie. How about yourself? I'm well, thank you. Talk to me. What are we talking about here? Phones and cars? Who is accessorizing whom? Oh, I just, I just love this quote. I, I was uh, doing some research, obviously, for the show and stumbled across this. And I, had, I did the same thing, a little head scratcher. I had to take a step back. So, you know what? That, that, that really makes sense. And... Um, if you, if you think about it, it's, it's pretty profound, um, but it's very analogous to, let's just say, Nest and other technologies for your home, right? Your, your, your phone is just simply controlling various items now in your, in, your, in your own home, whether it's your coffee machine or your blinds or your temperature or your lights or whatever it may be, and in some cases, even locking, your front, locking and unlocking your front door. Um, you can see that natural progression into the automotive business also. Uh, we already have Apple Play and Android Car and various things like that in there, but I think you're going to see it's going to be much more profound, similar to, the, similar to your home as, as we progress forward. Very interesting. Well, I, I love the idea of the accessorizing. You know, we all want our cars to look good. And we all want our phones to look good. And I, when I interpret this, I say the car will be an accessory to the phone. I wonder if you'll have to have some hood ornament to match the case on your phone. Forgive me, Bill. That just just occurred to me. Yes, we have to accessorize. Very interesting. Mark Andreessen obviously is very interested in this topic as well. Thank you, Bill. And Bill Newman waiting patiently in the wings. Bill, I couldn't wait to get to your quote because I looked it up. I don't 
think I ever saw this movie. A little on the violent <laughs> side for me, but the movie is Total Recall, and it was remade not too long ago, I think three or four years ago, but the one Bill's talking about is the original with Arnold Schwarzenegger in 1990. The film is Total Recall, an American science fiction action film directed by Paul Verhoeven, starring Schwarzenegger, uh, and all kinds of people I don't recognize, but I do know the name Sharon Stone and Ronnie Cox. And it's loosely based on the Philip K. Dick short story, We Can Remember It For You Wholesale. Uh, it was one of, uh, Bill, I don't know if you know this, the budget was almost $65 million, and it was one of the most expensive films made at the time of release, although estimates of the budget vary, and it's not certain whether it ever actually ever held that record. But, you know... What can I tell you? Uh, urban legends and all that. So here is the quote. And, Bill, I watched the video of this clip. I loved it. Scary as all get out. I will let you explain it. But here's the quote. Johnny Cab, the driver of Johnny Cab, who is a robot, says to a very young Schwarzenegger who's desperate to escape something. I am doing a little editorializing here. And I'll let you tell the scene. He says, we hope you enjoyed the ride. There you go. Bill Newman, how have you been? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good, buddy. You did that really well. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay, so talk to me. Tell, set us up. It's young Schwarzenegger. He jumps in the back of the cab. Why? Yeah, so um, so good morning and good afternoon, everybody. So, so Schwarzenegger is trying to get away from the bad guys. Uh, people have tried to scramble with his brain. That's the whole idea of Total Recall. Is it reality or is it fake? But it's set in the future when, um, you know, apparently we're colonizing planets and all sorts of other cool stuff that's going on. In the scene, Schwarzenegger's trying to get away, and he hails a cab. So you get into the cab, and it kind of looks like one of these little, I don't know, pod things that, you know, um, I guess as we would call it futuristic in circa 1990. And uh, he gets in, and this little robot that some say was modeled after Tom Hanks, so I'll let readers and listeners go and <laughs> kind of sort through that urban legend. But he turns around, and he's kind of this lackadaisical, oh, hi, I'm Johnny Cab, you know, where do you want to go? And he's like, drive, just drive, get me out of here. And the whole point that I, that I thought was interesting to bring this up as we talk about driverless taxis, so that is, you know, it's, it's a robot. We've created a persona of an individual so that we're perhaps comfortable getting into the car that really is driverless. But in the scene, if, if your listeners watch it, um, that doesn't work for Arnold. Um, he gets rather frustrated by the whole situation, rips poor Johnny Cab out of his little stump and grabs the stick and starts driving away to avoid capture. So, um, you know, we have all the technology in place. The, so the, the, the call to the question is, are we really ready for this? I mean, do we need something that looks like a human in the, in the taxi? Are we perhaps just trying to get to point B like Arnold was quickly, and we you know, don't want to deal with that? So we have all the case technology, connected autonomous, shared, electrified um, vehicle technology in place, but are we really ready for it? So that was kind of the, the, the poke at the, uh, the whole scene that I thought was the takeaway. It, it was just great, and, and in the end, Arnold just demolishes the car, it, and the, the funny part to me was... I think it car, explodes, you know. It explodes. The 1990s thrill ride, I think it explodes into a wall. It explodes against a wall, that's right, and there's yeah. flames yeah. And, and things shooting out, and, and the the, uh, the robot Johnny, whoever the driver, this robot of Johnny Cab, is he's almost demolished too, and, and the last words out of him is Schwarzenegger, we hope you enjoy the ride. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> That's Are you? 
<laughs> Are you serious? It, it was great. Thank, thank you for that. I, I'll never watch the movie, but I love the scene. There's so many clips on YouTube. So thank you for that. And uh, do you think that that would ever happen with a taxi? Where, where We're talking about remote control taxis here. Do you see that as the future that's already been predicted by the movie, Bill? Yeah, well, what is, what is, what is, rea- what is, no, not the pun, but what is reality? I mean, you know, we can do that. We can just have a pod roll up and, you know, the speakers talk to you and it can be like this little rolling living room. I mean, we, we can design this however we want to. You don't have to have something that looks like a human sitting in where a human might be. You can use that living space in, inside to do other things, you know. Um, so, so that's really the question. I mean, what are humans really comfortable with in this experience? And I think we still haven't figured that out yet. And I think this just goes to, to poke at one possible comical reality. I think so. Not so comical to him in the movie. Thank you very much. Enough. I enjoyed it so much. I want to keep talking about it, but we have a show to do. Let's circle around to Heather Ashton. Heather, you know the usual questions. Where are you today? What's in your cup today? Or what would you rather be drinking that keeps that wonderful smile in your picture? So go ahead, Heather. (laughs) I am in Boston, and it's sunny today, so I'm happy for that. Um, And because it's sunny, I and it's going to be 80 here, which is amazing, and in, in, you know, almost mid-September, um, I'm having my iced coffee with uh, almond milk, my iced cold brew that we discussed last time. So yes. I'm, I'm drinking it the traditional way. It is actually cold, <laughs> and I'm enjoying it thoroughly. And it's sunny in Boston. I'll tell you what the weather is down here in Durham in a minute. And thank you very much, Bill Powell. Where art thou, and what would you love to be drinking if it's not in front of you right now? Bonnie. So I'm in uh, South Jersey, just out of, outside of Philadelphia. Um, in my in my cup this morning, I stopped at Wawa on the way in, and it's my favorite time of year because they start serving pumpkin spice coffee. Ah, so I yes. uh, picked up some of that, and it's uh, it's on sale only for dollars, which is which is a great deal. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, uh, I think on the last show I talked about my daughter, and she got a nice job at Starbucks. She's back in school, so that free ride is oh. over for right now. Um, <laughs> she's got to go to school instead of Starbucks, but hopefully on the weekends I can Dad can still get a free coffee. There you go. That's not nice to have well-connected family, isn't it? Baristas. And now, Bill Newman, where are you, and what's in your cup, or what would you rather be drinking? Yeah, so I'm in Dallas today, and uh, it's sunny. It's probably going to be 85, but I think, um, I think I'd think i rather just uh, get some cold brew from Heather. You know, maybe drone down here. That would be nice. Um <laughs> And uh, I've, I've got the uh, Seattle Best Coffee out of the hotel that I'm staying in today, but uh, listeners know that I'm famous for my Irish cream recipe, so um, that's, that's something that we'll hold off for, for later in the week. So. Sounds good. good. Later in, in the year, even. Well, I'm in Durham, North Carolina, in my new office, in my new home, and it is raining. We did not get anything like a hurricane, but I'll tell you, the trees outside my window are blowing, not violently, but they're certainly not having a good time going left and right and left and right. It's been raining all morning. I heard rain on the roof overnight, an exciting thing, being alone in a house for the first time in 40 years, and hearing raindrops on the roof. Oh, my, what's walking in my attic? No, it's the raindrops, Bonnie. Go back to sleep. So I'm I'm dealing with that, but uh, we, I do want to do a shout out to everyone south of us who was impacted all over Florida. I have relatives in Jacksonville. I haven't heard from them. They escaped to Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, took a couple of days before the storm hit. I have friends with relatives in Hollywood, Florida, and Fort Myers, in Miami Beach, and uh, just waiting to hear the reports on how everybody fared. So. 
Hope relief comes soon. Hope they get their power back and hope their properties are safe and all of the people we know and love are safe. So there's my shout out to Hurricane Irma victims, whether they were victims or just lucky bystanders, let's just put it that way. You're listening to The Future of Cars with Game Changers. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, relocated and happy to be here. Took a couple weeks off, and as usual, I'm only drinking cool, clear water in a cool, clear mug because you wouldn't want to hear me on caffeine. So that's the rule of the day. We have a very interesting topic here, remote control taxis, not the cabs your grandma took and not the cabs that many of us grew up with. The taxi cab industry has been updated, upended rather, by by hail, ride-hailing upstarts, uh, intruders, disruptors, like Uber is the most famous, and Lyft, and other companies around the world. But now we're talking about what happens when the taxis become remote-controlled. They have autonomous mechanisms. They're controlled by something called teleoperations. Would you want to be in one of those? I don't know, but we're going to find out what the industry is saying and thinking about it. My very special guests are Heather Ashton at IDC, Bill Powell at ARI, Bill Newman, and his Irish cream recipe at S. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We will be right back. 90 seconds. You can count them along with us. Kevin out. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. SAP is excited to be a co-innovator with the automotive industry as we help automotive and related companies digitally transform their entire industry and disrupt their existing business models. The Future of Cars with Game Changers brings you insights from the people in the driver's seat who are making this happen. We'll delve into industry challenges and solutions that support ecosystem industries, all to help you succeed in transforming your business and business networks for success in the new digital networked age. Tune in to the Business Channel to hear today's top technology and business strategy thought leaders share expert insights on how the automotive industry is shaping the future of change for all of us. For women, the pressure to achieve is stronger, the work hours longer, and the struggle for respect and authority more complex than ever. You want guidance on how to succeed, and you are not alone. You're invited to take your coffee break with Game Changers on Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern for our special series, Game Changing Women. Powerful women leaders will help you make sense of it all, analyze how you can change the game, and share their playbooks. Game Changing Women, presented by SAP on the Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Future of Cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to the future of cars with Game Changers. And we're back. Our special guest today, Heather Ashton at IDC, Bill Powell at ARI, and Bill Newman, Mr. William Newman at SAP. I'm still Bonnie D. Graham, and we're talking today about remote-controlled taxis, not the cabs your grandma and your grandpa took, or maybe even you took a couple of years ago. What is happening in the industry? Heather Ashton's going to start our roundtable. Let me read a little bit from one of her statements, and she also wants to comment on what one of the bills said before we went to break. So Heather told me in her notes, settling on regulation, 
governance and platform specifics will be pivotal for the ongoing development and maturity of autonomous taxis. Heather, I'm going to stop there and let you take it away. So talk to us, please. Thanks, Bonnie. Um, yeah, so I wanted to, you know, kind of, we're looking at that from sort of the macro level, right? What's involved in terms of the city and regulation and the labor force, et cetera. Um, you know, if you think about the fact, it's an industry that's already being disrupted. If you look at sort of four years ago in New York City, which, of course, is, you know, very well known for, for the use of taxis, um, a medallion to be able to operate a taxi used to be worth $1.3 million dollars. And recently, uh, one sold for 241000 so 20% of that value. So it's already being disrupted because of Uber and Lyft and ride-sharing and, and ride-hailing. So, um, so throw, thrust into this, right, the, the notion of that increased autonomy and, and what that means from an autonomous vehicle perspective, right? So taking, then you're talking about not only taking the medallions away, but maybe taking, displacing the drivers. And actual, um, when I was doing some research for this, um, it shows that, you know, the labor force in the U.S., 3% of the U.S. labor force is drivers of some sort, whether those are trucks, buses, taxis, et cetera. So there are about 200,000 taxi drivers, I think, specifically. So that's another sort of disruption, right, a whole a labor force that may be disrupted by this. And what does that mean? And so how do state regulators and lawmakers, et cetera, respond in a way that, you know, supports the community, supports um, the objective, which, of course, is to reduce congestion, get people more quickly and more safely to their destination. Um, so it, it's, it's just there's so many, I think, just, just different considerations that need to be made. Um, and then when you get to the vehicle itself, this is what kind of fascinated me about what Bill was talking about in terms of, you know, we haven't even really started to conceive or think outside the box or outside the car of what we want that experience to be if we're actually being kind of, you know, teleoperated between point A and point B and we're just basically the passengers. So, you know, you've got to think about that. Then you have to think about, you know, that actual vehicle, what that, what, not only what that looks like from the inside, but even things like electric vehicles, right? Because a lot of these smart cities are trying to reduce emissions and reduce, you know, the mm-hmm. carbon load. And so, therefore, that's another important consideration. So, there's so much going on. I know, we, you know, we have years maybe, but we need to start making some of these decisions and going down these various pathways. Thank you, Heather. I'm going to make one quick comment here before we get Bill Powell and Bill Newman in on this. I, I have friends who are uh, owners of taxi medallions, and these were part of their legacies for their families for inheritance. These were these were supposed to generate retirement income. They're having trouble finding drivers now in Manhattan and the, the, the boroughs of, of New York City because of the competitive draw of the ride-hailing services. Uh, there are, are uh, organizations trying to fight this. This, this new movement, and I don't know if, if New York City cabs are going to be able to keep up and join the fray, if you will, join the new party with with ride-hailing apps. I know there was some talk about that, so it certainly is widespread. This was something that a lot of people who immigrated to the U.S., to big cities, came and used their life savings and their family savings to invest in medallions, so there is the people side. I'm very glad you brought that up, Heather. Let's go to the broader view of what Heather brought up. Bill Powell, love to get your thoughts. Please join us. Yeah, sure. Thank you. So, I, I, Heather, Heather brings up some very interesting points there, uh, and not you too, Bonnie. The, the medallions, obviously, um, is has uh, always been a major investment uh, for a lot of organizations, for a lot of people to to look at mm-hmm. um, a source of income. Right? It's it's a it's a micro business, so to speak, where 
Um, they've, they've come, either immigrated, they've come over here, or whatever it may be, and they've uh, used that as an opportunity to uh, to make a living. And now it's being challenged in new and profound ways that a lot of people really just didn't see coming. Whether it's Uber or Lyft or any other techno- any other disruptions that may be coming their way. Um, you brought up a good point, same with, uh, same with Heather about, uh, just, just trying to get a hold of, uh, the human capital side of it, right? Trying to get drivers and trying to get people interested still in this, in this, uh, profession. And, um, it's, it's definitely being challenged through those ride sharing programs. Um, I think you're going to see an evolution of this coming up in the near future, especially, uh, along our topic here as a progressive, fully autonomous. Uh, Uber and Lyft will be challenged. I mean, that's that's their ultimate yeah. play, and, and at least, and that's my my thinking here is that uh, for their uh, for the economics to really work for their line of business and for it to expand uh, the way they want to, uh, they need to get the driver out of the car. Uh, and that, that's really their ultimate play, and uh, it's not going to happen overnight, as Heather pointed out. It's going to be a natural progression. You're going to need various. Um, uh, uh, regulations to come in from the government, uh, from cities, from states, and you also need uh, the technology to evolve, not only with the particular ride-sharing asset itself, but also with everything else that it interacts with, whether it's infrastructure or, and especially other vehicles. So vehicle-to-vehicle communication is going to be vital for you to see this, uh, to see this really take off. Very interesting. Thank you. And uh, Bill Newman, love to get your thoughts. What do you? What do you? What's your observation on what Heather said and what Bill Powell added to it? Yeah, I mean, coming back around to what a what a driverless taxi could look like, we're already starting to see not just in New York, but in private campus environments. Um, let's see. I think uh, IBM's got their uh, their Watson-powered bus that's starting to run in some areas. I think in uh, Michigan, at the University of Michigan, it was just announced, when was it, I guess June, a few months ago, that University of Michigan was going to be able to uh, power a um, 33-kilowatt-hour battery-generated ARMA that could uh, go up to 35 miles an hour. And these are all driverless autonomous vehicles that, that have a set track, so they get people from buildings to parking structures, so pretty fixed campus type of environments. You know, and in those situations, they're more like the, uh, they're more like the bus tram that you would take um, you know, at, the, at the airport to go from one terminal to another. But coming back around to it, and, and as part of the opener, you know, what, what are we as consumers interested in experiencing what what's government interested in in allowing and and there was a regulation that was just i think passed in the house or the senate in the united states here just uh, just the last week ago to enable a certain number i think it was 100,000 vehicles uh, autonomous vehicles in the next uh, 5 to 10 years um to be allowed to be driven on the roads and then what do all the local jurisdictions have in terms of not only roads, but driver capacity and, and, and their, um, their um, vehicle codes, which are all operated you know, in the state and provinces here in North America and, and, and again, in Europe and elsewhere in multiple jurisdictions. So there's a, lot of, there's a lot of work to still try to figure it out, but we're beginning to see that in, in small encapsulated areas, um, there are some expressions of what driverless taxi, driverless buses will look like. And um, so far, there doesn't seem to be a lot of human backlash to it. Um, so that's, uh, that's, that's positive. And, uh, you know, the human in, is in most business processes, 
the human is the most expensive uh, element um, when you have to put actually somebody in in the vehicle. So, you know, how long are we going to have truck drivers? How long are we going to have bus drivers? And can you find that talent? Um, big question like Bill was just mentioning. Yeah, very interesting. I, I, uh, I, you know, I recently moved a couple weeks ago to here to Durham, North Carolina, and I was shocked and, and somewhat delighted to see that the garbage trucks are not like what I've experienced in, in my lifetime, most of my lifetime in New York. Here, you put your garbage can out on the curb Sunday night, for early Monday morning pickup, you hope early morning, not always early, and the truck comes along and a robotic arm comes out and grabs the sides of the, it's just regulation garbage cans, not the stuff you buy at your, your local uh, home, you know, whatever, or S-E-A-R-S. Uh, it grabs the sides, it lifts the can up in the air, tilts it over the bin in the truck, the, oh, the gate, the top of the bin opens up, the garbage is emptied in, and then it deposits the can back almost exactly on your curb, on the apron of your driveway where you had it, and the truck goes to the next house. I didn't see even a person on the street, and they do the same for the recyclables, which come every other Monday. This is brand new to me, and people have told me, oh, yeah, we've been, my uh, Glenn Green at SAP tells me in Pennsylvania, they've been doing that for years. First time. So a little bit, would we consider that a little bit of autonomous garbage pickup where we're talking about taking the human, the human equation out. So uh, we can consider that a little bit of, of autonomy, would you say, the robotic garbage truck? Anybody want to agree with that or am I off base here? Bonnie, I'll jump in. Yes, I, I, yeah. absolutely. I'm sitting here nodding my head. I'm listening to you. And, and, to, and to take that story a, a step further, um, it, it's really the technology comes into play, right? So you have the autonomous equation that you just talked about, but then also there's other things that um, that come to light. Namely, we, we have those in our neighborhood, and we get a tax credit for recycling. I was like, well, how do you figure out, how do I, how do you determine yeah. if, if you get more than your neighbor? Well, that autonomous arm has sensors. Our garbage can has a sensor, and basically when it picks it up, it weighs it. Get and out. It empties it. it yeah, exactly. It knows how much is in there. Um, now, the only downside to it is I was, over, last weekend, I was just cleaning out my garage. I had a ton of stuff I couldn't fit in these bins. So what do you do? You know, they, could, they only have one. So I, I kind of figured it out. I just, uh, I had to watch the truck come by. They emptied it. And then I quickly ran it across the street where there's no house. And it just needs to stop on the, on the side of the street and pick it up there also. So you kind of crack the code that way as best as possible. But it's, it's pretty ingenious. Um, how they're tying these things into not only uh, you know, the, the driver the, or lack of driver um, part of it, but also other business processes that can be automated. Yeah. Very, very, thank you. Thank you for, as I sure, like to sure. say, thank you for indulging my, my commentary there. Heather, I want to wrap up this part of our topic. You started it. Any comments you'd like to make on what Bill N. and Bill P. added? No, I, I guess just the, the whole notion that there is definitely um, the technology is coming very quickly, and I think we have, and again, regula- like regulations are, are trying to support it, i.e. Congress in the U.S., but I think there are so many considerations we need to just continue making, and it's an opportunity for us to recreate the experience, as Bill said, and so hopefully a lot of smart people from a number of different areas will work together to kind of take this forward, because we do have some time here, and it's a matter of reimagining that experience and what, you know, what a taxi ride means in the future. Absolutely. And this goes back, I think, to my opening quote, the excitement of Oliver Cameron at Udacity saying, I'm starting a new thing with great friends called Voyage, autonomous taxis to real users very, very soon. And he is excited. So it's interesting. I would like to say, and, and anybody tell me if you agree or disagree, that the, the taxi industry is being disrupted 
by disruptors to the original disruptors. I think they're in a multi-level evolution, or maybe it's multiple revolutions in a relatively short period of time. Heather, any thoughts of that? Exactly. I mean, and you're seeing that cycle compress, right, in terms of whoever would have thought, to your point about your friends with the legacy and the medallions, that, you know, so quickly that those medallion values could be disrupted. And now within the next, within four years, now, those disruptors, as you said, are being disrupted. And I think we're going to continue to see that pace of change, you know, just compress. And so, the, you know, the reaction time and agility are going to be key. And you could say that the industry is ripe for disruption. Disruption. <laughs> Bill Powell, I'm looking at your notes here. Let's get down to the reality of driving people, driving robots, driving autonomous, however you want to position it. You say navigating the roads within modern cities poses some unique challenges for autonomous vehicles and the rest of us. Yes, let me just read a little bit more here. Operating in the snow belt area of the U.S. can have conditions that obscure road markings and lines and traffic signs. Same thing for construction zones, which can be ambiguous, and their markings can vary from place to place. And by the way, part of my, uh, hopefully this afternoon I will eventually get a North Carolina driver's license, but even as an experienced driver, I have to take a road sign test. It's verbal, I understand, but I have to take a, so I've been memorizing their signs, a little bit different from New York, so wish me luck. So Bill Powell, what happens when we get into construction zones, we get into weather conditions, what will the autonomous remote-controlled car do, or the taxi? That's, Bonnie, that's a million-dollar question right now. It's, uh, it's, it's <laughs> interesting. If you take a, a modern, busy city, like, uh, let's just say New York, right, probably one of the busiest cities in the world. And uh, I'm, I'm sure you've driven there like everyone else here on the, on the phone and all of our, most of our listeners. Um, it, it's, a, it, it's quite an experience, right, to be driving there. Whether you're in a cab or you're driving yourself, um, it's, it's, I equate it to more like a school of fish, right? They're, they're, you have lines in a road, or sometimes lines in a road, that are just there for convenience. And then you, much like a school of fish, just follow the traffic, follow the flow. So it's going to be interesting to see how how those algorithms are really uh, programmed into these vehicles and how the vehicles react to that. Are they going to follow the letter of the law and follow whatever lines they can read in the road and use the signs for uh, precision? Or are they going to just kind of swerve and, and dodge cars and people as, as needed? You know, in, in, a, in a city like New York, again, you, double parking is very common, triple parking every now and then. You see that. Then you have the human factor. Human, uh, people are just unpredictable in nature. Uh, so predicting where vehicles are going to be, especially when we progress into the vehicle-to-vehicle communication, I'm pretty confident that that's going to work very well, especially in a congested city like New York. Uh, how do you handle how you handle tourists, people just jumping out out on the road? How do you handle adverse weather conditions where signs are obscured and the, and the lidar, the technology on vehicles, have a difficult time interpreting those? That's going to be interesting. Yeah. We'll see how that progresses. Certainly will be interesting and maybe ooh, a little risky, a little dangerous, a little, I'm taking an autonomous taxi ride in a snowstorm. I wonder if we'll get there. Maybe Johnny Cab will send somebody. I don't know. <laughs> that would be comforting to talk to the back. And the back of his head was very interesting in the movie. Bill Newman, love to get your thoughts on real weather conditions until we can disrupt the weather industry. Ha ha, excuse me. That's long overdue. Excuse me again. Uh, Bill Newman, what do you think about what Bill Powell just shared with us? Well, I, I think if, if you're looking around and, you're, and you want to come down to um, are people going to be comfortable in, in a taxi, let's, let's just start there for a moment, you know, in terms of driverless. We're already seeing people 
um, who don't have mobility already have have this whole expanded universe now because um, we've got extended families and kids being put in Ubers driven across different boroughs of New York or across town to get to soccer practices and the you know the aging silver tsunami uh, generations, um, the older boomers who are beginning to lose their driver's licenses now, um, you know, being able to be serviced by by rideshare technology, where before they would have to ask friends and neighbors to take them grocery shopping or to their their doctor's yeah. appointments. In the future, you know, having having a vehicle that would either roll up to you, so the concept of a taxi, am I? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm buying a certain amount of mileage or a time. So whether this is a fleet where, you know, you, you order a product and it, and it rolls up to you um, and you hop in and it's, you know, part of your subscription or whether you're just, uh, you're just doing the driverless taxi to get to point A and point B, that's a real net positive for society. You know, take away the, take away the regulatory, take away the technology, take away all that. So I think, I think, you know, we've joked about it, but I think there is a pretty significant upside to to moving in this direction, um, specifically for those uh, for those upper and lower band of our population that need help getting from place to place and and trying to take you know some some level of of, of vehicle traffic off the road if we can if we can you know carpool if you will. Um, so I think that that's positive. I, I, I think we do have some terrestrial limitations, but if you, if you mm-hmm. hear what some of the folks like at Santa Barbara Motor Research have said when they start to study you know, traffic lane congestion, um, you're talking about narrowing the width, the distance between vehicles because you know, you've got LIDAR, as Bill was saying. You've got all of the you know, optical technology to be able to, to get you from point A to point B and automatic braking, et cetera, et cetera. So you know, your traffic isn't stop-start. You're, you're moving at a continuous flow. You don't need as much space on either side of whatever vehicle you're, you're occupying as you move down the road. And that can be really disconcerting for some people who are kind of used to having, you know, three feet on each side of their vehicle and one car length per 10 miles an hour that we were all taught, you know, some of us were taught in, in our old driver's <laughs> ed classes years ago. You know, that, yes. that's going to change. So, so what? You're going to have the whole experience, car experience inside the vehicle is going to change. The vehicles themselves are going to look differently. And, and we may be operating, at least in the, you know, terrestrially, and we'll get into you know, other options, I think, a little later in the program, but for, for taxis and just vehicles in general, you're going to operate in, in a different um, environment where, where it's going to be a little tight and people are just going to have to kind of get used to it. Interesting. Yeah, nothing worse than uh, some of you in the Northeast, Heather, you may know some of the parkways in New York and Westchester County are so narrow, the lanes already, mm-hmm. that you're literally gripping the steering wheel during rush hour with hoping that everybody just stays in their lane. Uh, there are some parkways on in Queens, New York, that are the same way. It's just already very scary. I can't even imagine narrower. Heather? What do you think about what we've been talking about? Road conditions and non-human drivers. How's that going to work? I know. 
Yeah, I think I think we've been bringing up a lot of, of just a lot of, of questions that have to be answered, and a lot of you know definitely the human comfort is is a huge part of that. Um, but I also think the harder part is for the humans looking today at where the technology is to be able to trust it. So I think it is going to be a progression of time. I was in the Tampa area uh, two weeks ago, and the Infinity that I was driving, the map kept losing the highway over the same three miles, regardless of which direction or what time of day or night. It couldn't find me. So, you know, those types of things, you know, they they don't um, spark trust, right, in in technology. So I feel we're going to need to work through a lot of that, and we have some time for this. Um, and that will then encourage people to be a little more comfortable that the cars can be more close together, that they can operate in, in you know, these, these kind of situations. And, and let, me, let me pose a question to the panel before I move on to some topics from Bill Newman. Trust. Aren't we going to have to learn to trust? I think that's a big issue now with trusting that the technology will get us somewhere safely. Isn't that one of the big issues when we, we saw the two reporters who hacked a car, an autonomous car on the side of a road and, and remotely drove it into a ditch uh, by hacking the system? The, the question of trust in nefarious agents, maybe like Johnny Cab Driver's boss who want to do something to the competing taxi company remotely and some novels that have been written recently. Isn't trust going to be a big issue in how all of this? It's great to say, oh, we have autonomous, we have remote controlled, it's the latest and greatest, have a comfortable ride, play games with your kids on your computer in the backseat. But isn't this something we're going to have to learn to trust because it's our lives in the seat? Uh, Heather, quick comment on that and then around the table and then I'll get to Bill's comments. What do you think, Heather? Most definitely. Trust is 100% um, a factor here on the table. And I've noticed with some of the industry conferences that I have attended or that are planned, you know, for the coming months in this area, um, that they actually have built into the program some of these kind of test environments to encourage the attendees to build that trust. So to kind of have an open forum to discuss, you know, what, you know, because I think all of the players in this, you know, industry understand that they have to get the humans on board. There has to be, you know, the passengers, the consumers, et cetera. So trust is absolutely, you know, um, critical. And I do already see some early signs of the industry responding to try to build that. Thank you. Bill Powell, what do you think? Is trust a big factor in your world with autonomous coming on? Absolutely. Completely agree with, with you and Heather's uh, comments. Um, in, in the fleet business, where we see that level of trust uh, and where we see some customers using this stuff, and I, I may have talked about this before, is uh, in very specialized fields. So let's just say mining, where you have um, an area where you can geofence the, the area. Uh, so you have a fully autonomous vehicles, and they're working. They may be down in the mine. They may be um, on the surface doing various operations. Uh, but the workers are all wearing, obviously, a helmet, and they have sensors. And as soon as they break that geofence, the vehicles immediately stop. So they're building trust by knowing that they're building a trust in a, you know, in a sense that they know that if they walk into a work zone, these vehicles will stop. Is it, that's completely different, though, from building trust. Uh, an environment like you and I and Heather and Bill and everyone else would be used to where you're going to put your, not only yourself, but your family into one of these vehicles and trust that it's going to work. So we're going to need advocates. We're going to need some time for this to happen. Um, City of Pittsburgh uh, ran that test with Uber about a year ago or so, and they some really good feedback from that. They had different economic uh, issues there, but um, as far as the technology and the trust factor, I think it was, a, it was a really good success. So the more you see of that, I think the more the trust factor is going to go up and the more people will be comfortable with this uh, technology. Thank you very much. Bill Newman, what do you think? Is trust a big issue well, from your point of view? Well, yeah, I mean, 
you know, I, I come from a background as an aerospace engineer, and whenever we were designing airplanes, you know, it was always, you know, safety first about the people who were behind it, you know, and, and automotive engineers do the same uh, when you get in a car. I mean, you know, geofencing and, and safety features, that helps. There's, there's a mental condition of adoptance that uh, we're, we're going to have to get to slowly. Um, you know, I'd like to talk three-dimensionally for a second. You know, we're already mm-hmm. starting to have communities look at autonomous aerial vehicles or AAVs. So this just takes the whole driverless taxi thing to the to the new level. Um, United Arab Emirates have have already started to prototype the uh, the Ehang uh, aerial vehicle taxi that mm-hmm. that you know is is not bound by terrestrial conditions like we've been talking about over the last couple of segments. So. Coming from a from, from an aero, aerospace background, that just you talk about trust and safety. You know that's that's more than just a helicopter ride. I mean, you you even for low altitude, you are taking your safety concerns to a whole nother level. Um, and anybody who's played around with uh, with with lightweight air vehicles knows exactly what we're talking about. Um, I don't know. I mean, that, that really, you know, are you going to, are you going to put your family to your point? Are you going to put your family mm-hmm. into one, yeah. whether it's on, whether it's driving the street or whether it's up in the air? I mean, that's, this is, this is a real cultural shift for, I think, some people. And I, I think some people won't be able to make it. Mm, I, I agree with you. Uh, the, the distrust of so many automated features we're seeing in our homes also. A lot of people are saying, why do I need that? Why, why would I want that? Will it work? Do I even want to bother if it fails? What happens to me then? Who will I call? What will I do? And speaking of that, Bill Newman, let's look at your notes here. We still got a few more minutes before our crystal ball predictions round. You say government driving regulations and policy are moving to embrace drive assist as well as case technology, CASE, all in uppercase. So why don't you tell me what this all means, Bill? Yeah, so um, it's interesting. I, I I can't speak for Heather or Bill, but when when I had to take my driver's license test for the first time when you know I turned sixteen, and arguably a lot of millennials and what do we call them, Heather, the the new the centurions or, or the digital, digital native, on. Native. Thank you, digital thank you, whoever okay. the new, next new generation <laughs> is. Thank you, I appreciate that. You know, they they we when we had to take our driver's test, the hardest thing that we had to do was to parallel park. You know, I, I grew up mm-hmm. in the Los Angeles area. I got pretty good at it. I, I kind of am rather proud of my skills to parallel park still today. But in many jurisdictions, because you have drive assist vehicles that do that for you, push the button, take your hand off the wheel, everybody's seen the commercials. Um, some jurisdictions don't test young drivers now to parallel park. So, you know, just kind of think about that mind blown. What's the driver's test going to look like as we begin to further automate what the mainstream vehicle population begins to to look like. Um, so you've got all of these technologies. You've got jurisdictions that are beginning to move in that in that direction to allow that. You know, you've just had the recent you know federal legislation here in the United States, and you've got small pockets of of um, campus and geofenced areas that we were talking about, Bill brought up as well in the last segment. We're moving in that direction. So where's the tipping point? I guess that's really the question to ask. Um, you know, we were already seeing traces of it. Is the tipping point in the next 10 to 20 years? A lot of people think so. A lot of people think that we'll have at least, what do we call it, level two, level three 
um, autonomous vehicles so that you still need to have a person in the car, but like, like the current Tesla models, they can largely drive themselves or, or platoon technology. A lot of people think in the next 10 to 20 years, that's going to be the tipping point. There will be more vehicles like that on the road than classic conventional vehicles, traditional vehicles, choose your adjective, um, that would be on, on the roads as we see today. And, um, and then again, what does that do to infrastructure? What does that do to the transportation industry as, is, as a commodity, as an experience? Mm-hmm. And, and we're going to learn a lot as we get closer to that tipping point, coming back to kind of the human factor, what are people going to accept, whether it's, you know, again, a driverless taxi, whether it's land-based, you know, air-based. Um, you know, Elon Musk wants us to all drive in tunnels because he's got this big tunnel digger now and he's going to drive around and, you know, put his cars in tunnels. Um, so what, what it's all going to look like, there's just this myriad of possibilities right now, which is, which is really exciting. Um, but again, we haven't really begun to see what the human factor is in all of that. And certainly if we're the ones, you know, Larry Stoley, one of his favorite things to say was that soon we as humans will be cargo in the car. Will just Indeed. be something it is transporting in the back seat, in the trunk. I hope not, but we'll just be something. <laughs> Sorry, I was thinking of the movie again. So I don't think that Johnny Cab had a trunk. Um, it will be something the car is transporting from point A to point B. I, I wonder if the balance will ever be tipped, Bill Newman, to the point where regulations will say we are going to have a quota a cap, a limit on how many private human-driven cars we will allow on our streets and whether we'll have to submit to a lottery to decide if we and our cars, those of us who still own cars, are are fit or are qualified to apply for that lottery. Do they really want my little 350Z on the road with me behind it? Uh, or would they rather have somebody in an SUV or would they rather have somebody in their 30s rather than a, a, a boomer or a teenager? I wonder if, if the road traffic will be regulated by make, model, and driver age and qualification. It, let's go around the table real fast on that one. I just came up with it. Heather, what do you think? Will we ever be subjected to governmental control at that level? That's, it's actually frightening. I have um, I know. several... Yeah, it really is. I have several children who are um, in high school at this point, and um, so they're all reading various dystopian novels, um, mm. like... Uh, out of Huxley's, I believe, A Brave New World at, at Fahrenheit 451, et cetera, et cetera. And rereading them, I, I'm reminded of, you know, the futuristic government that is highly regulated, right, at the trying to um, promote and, you know, happiness or, you know, whatever the, the context is. So I'm very scared of that, that future, meaning I would hope that, that, that the regulation doesn't get to that level, that it is more a natural kind of... Um, evolution that the marketplace kind of, you know, controls or supports or, or you know, uh, creates essentially um, versus, versus that, regu- that regulation coming down. Because my, my fear, of course, is that if you had to then, you know, um, assess my driving capabilities in my car, I may not make the final cut. So I'm a little concerned about that if I still want to be able to drive my car, um, how, that, how that would end up. Oh, that's funny. Of the 100 people along with me in front and back of me online at the North Carolina DMV last Friday in, in a beautiful sunny day, but after two and a half hours online, it got kind of kind of old. Uh, most of them, I'd say, were in their early 20s. 
applying for licenses and getting driving tests. So th- there's still a huge population who want their own car. Damn it. Uh, Bill Powell, let's get your thoughts on this quickly. We're, we're in the in the uh, predictions round, but I still want to get your thoughts on this, and then we'll do a quick prediction. Bill, what do you think about government regulation of who gets to be on the road in a car, driving a car? What do you think? Yeah, I think you're going to see, for, for this really to take off, especially as you, as you progress up the, um, the automation levels, whether you get into a level four or a level five where you, know, you have fully autonomous or basically autonomous where you don't even have a wheel any longer, you, mm-hmm. you're going to need the government to step in and, and have some sort of regulations and mandates um, to, to really enforce that. Um, are they going to, I hope that day doesn't come because I, I, I really enjoy driving. Uh, I think Me like, too. like yourself and, and Heather. Um, yeah, I get a little aggressive, but you know that's the nature of driving in New Jersey. Um, but it's uh, but it's, it's something I, I really enjoy. Uh, with that being said, I've spent a lot of time over the last few years in Europe, and I've been in a number of cars uh, in Germany on the autobahn where uh, the semi-autonomous has, has come in, where you basically just take your hands off the wheel and the car drives itself on the autobahn, and you know, obviously you're moving at a pretty uh, rapid uh, rapid speed there, and it's very nerve-wracking at first. But after a little while, you, you kind of get used to it. Um, so it's, um, it's a nice thing to have in certain situations where we typically use it over there or where I've seen it used more often is when you get into congestion, where it's just, you know, it would be the same thing over here, where instead of uh, not necessarily going 120, 130 miles an hour in the Autobahn, but if you're just sitting to stop and go, um, it's, it's pretty nice to have where you just let the car, you turn it on, let the car just drive itself inch forward as needed. Um, so I, I, I see that moving forward. I, as far as the government mandates, my prediction is keep. What I would say is keep an eye on Europe. Europe typically has oh, tighter yeah. regulations when it comes to this type of thing. And um, if you're going to see the government step in anywhere and start to try to formulate this and try to figure this thing out, I think you're going to see that happen in Europe first. I have a feeling we're already doing our predictions round. We're in the crystal ball, so let's just make this our crystal ball. <laughs> Sorry about that. Bill Newman, love to get your predictions, and I'll give you a whole 90 seconds. We, we haven't limited anybody yet. Maybe you'll get a little more. Go ahead. <laughs> Super. Well, I agree with Bill. I think Europe is going to be a leader in terms of, uh, you know, kind of broad society regulation. They've already shown that in terms of how we, how we build and how we use products. So I think that that's, I think that is definitely a, a, a good barometer to, to look at. You know, coming back around to it, what, what can we regulate? Well, we already regulate, for example, uh, what kind of drivers can operate uh, a Class C uh, commercial vehicle. So that's, that's a separate test. So we already we already do that, and for good reason, for safety reasons. We also, um, I think, in many states they call it a class M, but a motorcycle um, license. So that's a separate uh, endorsement on your on your driver's license. So universally, we do regulate what vehicles drivers can drive and what endorsements are required to do that. So I think in the future. Um, maybe it's you know class T traditional model T. I don't know how you want to how you want to phrase it. Um, and then in terms of plating, we already have historical plates for when a car I believe is over 20 years old. So you know you don't have to, but you can register your vehicle to to get a historical plate. Maybe in the future we'll register you know for plates of vehicles that are you know of traditional construct who who don't who are not on the you know um, the autonomous driving level spectrum, if you will. Um, so I, I think that the mechanics that we have um, are already in place to do that. We just haven't figured out what to call them yet and what those endorsements mm-hmm. or classes or talents and skills are going to be. Um, but but I, I, think the, I think the mechanics are in place to do that. So I agree with Bill. Look at Europe. 
Um, and, and don't be too surprised if we start to see some of these new mechanics expressed about, you know, what we can drive and how we can drive and what it looks like when we climb into a driverless taxi and if it's on the ground in a tunnel or in the air, probably within the next 10 years. It's um, oh my. definitely going to be an interesting time capsule period. Oh, my. And speaking of time capsule, I'm going to hark back to the 50s or 60s with the lyrics to close the show, the lyrics of a song by Paul Evans called Seven Little Girls Sitting in the Back Seat. Anybody remember that? Maybe Bill Newman. I don't think Heather was even born yet. Bill, sorry about that. And the chorus was seven little girls smooching in the back seat, everyone in love with Fred. I said, this is the driver. I said, you don't need me. I'll get off at my house. And this is what the seven girls said all together now. One, two, three. Keep your mind on your driving. Keep your hands on your wheel keep your snoopy eyes on the road ahead we're having fun sitting in the back seat kissing and a hugging with fred so i think that would have been the perfect entry sorry about that i do remember it not on key but well i re- i remember that now think about it if they were in an autonomous taxi the guy could have gotten out at his house, the robot could have taken over, and Fred could have gone on his way with the seven little girls in the backseat. On that note, I'm, I don't know what made me think of that. So happy to be back. Heather Ashton, such a pleasure always speaking to you. Same Bill Powell, same Bill Newman. And uh, heads up, I will be doing, oh, about 25 to 30 interviews at the SAP-sponsored Best Practices Automotive event. I'll be working with, I think, David Parrish at SAP. Uh, these will be remote interviews with SAP partners and customers and industry analysts, maybe some of you on the panel today, next Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and we will be broadcasting those, not live, but we will be putting them on the archives on-demand page on this series, The Future of Cars with Game Changers. So that's a special event. Look for those. We did about 30 interviews last year, and everybody loved them. So I'm looking forward to getting more industry insights from the people there. Heather, will you be at the Best Practices? I will not. My colleague, Jeff Hoyle, well, who has been on the show before. Oh, so Jeff Hoyle. Well, I, will, I will say hello to him. Anyway, everybody, thank you so much for joining us. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. It's time for my call to action. It's so appropriate for this series. And Larry Stoley, we miss you. Why? Why? Why did you go? Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Have a great one. I'll be back at 12 noon with a live episode of Partnerships Changing the Game for Digital Transformation. Signing off. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to The Future of Cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 